0: There's been some studies that show that they don't, little kids don't differentiate between physical goods and digital goods in the same way that adults do. And so, as those kids grow up, they're gonna have crossover, their their digital wardrobe and their physical wardrobe will coincide and will be all one to them.
1: Welcome to the Design Rush Podcast. I'm your host, Bianca Mayer. Today, we're absolutely delighted to welcome Sylvia Hazel, a trailblazer in the realm of fashion technology and a visionary in integrating cutting edge tech with haute couture. Before we delve into our conversation, a quick reminder to like this episode and subscribe to our channel for more engaging and insightful dialogues with leading figures in the world of design and technology. Now, without further ado, let's extend a warm welcome to Sylvia Hazel to the Design Rush Podcast. Once again, a very warm welcome to the Design Rush Podcast. Um, We are so thrilled to have you here with us today. Amazing, amazing. I am so honored
0: to be here. Lots of fun.
1: Thank you. So, okay, before we delve into, you know, the intricacies of branding and tech and creativity, I would like our audience to get, you know, get to know you a little bit better. So just to kick things off, could you share a little bit more about yourself and, you know, what sparked your journey into the, you know, into fashion and technology?
0: Sure. Yeah. You know, I I actually started back a million years ago in ancient history as a traditional fashion designer. And I built a women's evening wear brand and we were pretty successful. We were in, you know, a lot of stores across the U.S., a few internationally, lots of press, um, and then got almost 15 years ago when the economy in the U.S. kind of fell apart in 2007. We really, you know, that the, there was this huge change going on, as well as the economics. And when I looked around, I was I had become really interested in sustainability and here I was manufacturing all these tons and tons of clothes and that were not sustainable and a lot of the stores we sold to were having financial trouble and and I looked around and to me what seemed new was technology and that technology was driving everything that was new and was changing in the world Um, and that technology could be used to make positive changes in fashion and so I ended up closing down my brand and really re, kind of reinventing and looking at how can technology be used to make fashion that is truly, truly new. Uh, and that's kind of our focus as, as a company, as a brand is how do we make things, how do we make fashion that could have never existed in the past and how do we use technology to improve what's there in fashion. Um, And it's been a long journey since then with a lot of different things.
1: Okay well thank you uh, so much for that uh, introduction and that actually brings me to our next topic which is getting more into the meat of our conversation and it's more you know something that's very close to your heart which is of course the Sylvia Hazel brand. Now You kind of touched upon it, but can you give us or paint us a picture of what your brand really embodies and stands for?
0: It is really, it's about, you know, exploring what fashion is, making fashion that could never have existed in the past and redefining what is, using creativity to redefine what is fashion.
1: Okay. And that's with, um, you know, mostly just technology and stuff. But where did that idea really spring from? You know, like really getting tech involved with technology. It was the first time for me personally to see technology playing such a big role in fashion. So was there something specific that really sparked that idea for you?
0: You know, I think it is the the newness and that fashion always talks about what's new and what's trendy and and all. But in the end, it's a really conservative industry and it's a really giant global industry and we kind of keep making the same clothes over and over again. And so creatively, to me, making things that are new and making things that use technology is super exciting. Um, it's, you know... It humanity stays the same. Our bodies are the same, but our lives are completely different because of technology. And so I feel like that's bringing that to what we wear is super exciting and challenging. And that's my focus creatively.
1: Amazing. Now, Sylvia, if you had to describe the Sylvia Hazel brand in three words – you know, that really encapsulates the brand. Um, What would those three words be? And why those three words?
0: Mm. I think innovation, because it's about, that's what we love to do is innovate. We love to, to innovate and make things that are new. Creativity, that we explore how, you know, we question everything. We look at, how to change the world how to change a t-shirt whatever same difference uh, but that creativity um, and humanity uh, because in the end it comes back to us as human beings and if it's not about making people and people's lives better and improving humanity then what's the point
1: yeah 100 percent. so okay that's you know the innovation that you've taken with tech into fashion must be such an adventure for you like every single day so in saying that what is your approach and you know which strategies do you find really resonate the best with your audience at the end of the day um you know we
0: start every project with what are the goals um for us Everything, every project or everything, we approach everything as projects and each one is different. And we start out with what do we want to achieve with it? And, and what are the end goals? And then we look at what are the most crazy out there, different ideas that could get us there and kind of really tear it apart. Um, And and then we talk to lots of people. We try and get feedback and we try and... And and I think we define who is the audience for each project also um, and and really keep that in mind. Um, It's a balance between how crazy you can be and how much you can make sure that you still stay on target with what your audience and what your goal is.
1: Okay, so when you say that you identify your audience, right? First of all, how do you go about identifying your audience in the first place? And then what do you mean by talking to your audience? Do you use social media platforms or something like that to really reach out to them?
0: Um, Or what is your method there? You know, I think it depends on the project again, but who is, who, who are you aiming at and who is the end user on anything and try and kind of really dive into them. Um, You know, coming from fashion design, when you design a piece of clothing, you start out with this image in your head of who you're designing for. And is it, you know, is it a you know, a a millennial woman who worships Kim Kardashian and spends four hours getting ready in the morning and um, never ever wears sportswear? Or is it a 40-year-old woman who works in a corporate office and only eats you know, eats gluten free and, you know, this whole thing that, and drives a Tesla, whatever you, you create this whole customer profile and then you go, okay, well, what, what would she love or what would he love? And, and then, so there's that customer thing and that, who is the audience that way, where it's this creative brainstorming. And then there is, who's the bigger audience and just the demographics. Um, I, I'm a, Big believer in demographics and numbers, and knowing your customer that way.
1: Hmm. Do you want to partner up? We can do that together. Right, we can. (laughs) (laughs) I think we just came up with a million dollar idea here, Sylvia. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) completely. Yeah. So, (laughs) so okay, you must have like a million ideas that flow through your head, especially because, you know, you're so creative and everything. So and also your creations are very unique from what I've also seen, and they're incredible, I have to say. So where would you say the source of your creativity or these ideas really spring from? You know, what does your creative process look like?
0: So I don't know where the ideas come from, honestly. Uh, I think the one thing that's to me important is to not, if it is a fashion related product, not to look to fashion to solve the problem, to look to the world in general and completely other fields and to be as open to different ideas as possible.
1: Okay. Um, And just on that same topic, what's one of the more
0: like out there ideas that you've had recently? I have to think about that. Um, <laughs> to me, none of them are out there. To me, they all make perfect, perfect sense. Um, I guess one was—you know—we've done a few projects with three D printed clothing, and one of the things that in in showing three D printed clothing and explaining what it is and explaining how it can be used and all. One of the things is that you can wear it in the water um, because of what they're made of. And, and so doing fashion shows in swimming pools, um, we actually just did a, we did a smaller project at Art Basel in Miami with putting some 3D printed dresses that we had done into onto a team called Aqua Lilies, of aquatic dancers Um, and that was super cool for for that was for 3d metadress which is a personal project of mine um, around women in web 3 Uh, but i think that that was kind of was a little out there uh, i guess (laughs) i
1: saw that actually and i thought that that was one of the coolest things ever. <laughs> okay yeah i did and i have to say i love the idea that you can swim in your clothing and it's not gonna like wrinkle or get like super soaking wet or anything like that i love that idea i think it's fantastic so okay so obviously your team must be some of the best of the best right and of course as you know better than anybody uh, the right team can like or a team can make or break a brand now how do you find a nurture talent that really aligns with your brand ethos
0: Ooh. you know another million dollar business idea um <laughs> it's really hard it's really really <laughs> challenging uh finding the right team uh is an endless challenge i think For me, you know, we are we're a tiny little company, and so for each project, the team goes up and down, and it's about bringing together a a group and a community and a team that that really works well together. Um, I think I am not someone that is a good. Manager and I don't enjoy managing people, so I look to people who are equals, and I look to build a team where everybody contributes equally, and everyone has really, really different skills that they bring to the project. Always, um, so that we're all we're all working together, and we all have our strengths and our weaknesses. Um, And then trying to make sure that everybody gets heard uh, is is crucial.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of I think it was Steve Jobs that said that um, you don't hire people to tell them what to do; you hire people to tell you what to do, right? And I think there's real value in that, in finding team members that are as yeah as smart or even smarter than what you are with regards to things um and i find that business are really, or businesses are really really going more and more into this direction where you know people need to be absolute experts in their field you know and i think that really helps to drive things I've, I've also found that a lot of people actually don't really like to manage and there's more of an equal playing field but in saying that of course your team members must be extremely creative so and and must have their own ideas as well right So how do you find the balance um, to have like a harmonious, like collaborative experience at work when it comes to all of these different ideas and opinions on how to do things?
0: Ooh, um, you know, I think that is easier on with smaller companies and the, and smaller projects and the larger, the team and the project and what you're doing becomes the more structure there needs to be to make sure of that. Um, you know, on, on, a, on something that's smaller, you can kind of go, okay, we're going to meet on a regular basis. We're going to all make sure that everybody listens and cares. Um, you can use all kinds of digital tools, of course, for doing that, but it But it's not, you know, um, the challenge is really when something becomes, when you're working on something that is much bigger, it becomes much, much harder. Uh, I'm not sure I have an answer for that. I think it's still (laughs) super challenging. Um, I guess awareness of the problem is key and to To always be aware that and be listening for is everyone getting heard, to have empathy for everyone's and every stakeholder's opinion and contributions, um, I think is really key to it. Um, Again, there's no magic, you know, there's just, we're all humans. We all have to work together. Um, and if someone's not willing to do that, then it, it doesn't work as a collaboration. That's when things fall apart.
1: Mm-hmm. Have you had an instance like that before where someone wasn't really willing to collaborate as much and
0: then fell apart? Um, sure, or got, you know, or or had to leave. I think that's just a reality of... That is a reality of business and of achieving anything. Is that if everybody's not working as a team, whoever is in the lead has to make that decision that that the person that isn't contributing shouldn't be there if they're going to bring down the entire team um, and the entire project. Um, you know bad things happen in the world hopefully you minimize them and the goal is not to have that happen and not to you know
1: yeah um you know i think it's quite interesting as well to just explore briefly if you if you're okay with that but how do you navigate that in a way that you know results in the least amount of
0: damage painfully is the first word that comes to my mind. I am not a person that likes confrontation, so um, <laughs> it is always a painful process. And I am not sure that I'm the best. I don't think that's one of my strong points. Um, so I'm not sure I'm really the best person to answer that. I would welcome other people's opinions on better ways to handle it. I think for me, it's each time it's very difficult. Um, but again, you just keep the the end goal in sight. Um, and you decide on a case by case basis how, how much damage and what's the best way to handle it
1: so how do you encourage like the constant flow of creativity in your team is there any like special things you do during the week maybe um to really get those creative juices flowing or anything like that you
0: know i think everyone everyone is creative in their own way and um i'm i'm not a huge fan of every kind of, you know, sort of team building exercises for creativity and things. Um, I kind of prefer to let, to have crazy ideas and to let others have crazy ideas and everyone shares them and feels comfortable sharing their most crazy creative ideas. And then you kind of, Give it some time, and everyone thinks about everything, and then come back and try and realistically solve the problem um, or create a solution. Um, I think is more, you know, creativity is such a funny thing. Of um, you know, my creativity is mostly around visual things, but then on almost every project I'm working with people where their creativity is in writing code or in audio or music or, or things which are so different. And, and so I think it's about having everyone have the opportunity to kind of think about it, think about what's the problem, think about what's the goal on the project and then come up with throwing out crazy ideas and seeing how they'll all work together to just to solve the issue and to create something, to build something amazing. Um, I think it's just, it's respecting and respecting the, you know, the different creativity.
1: Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned now that there's, you know, writing code and making music and all that kind of stuff. So just one last question that I have for you on your brand. If you had to just give like a brief overview of like how all of those different creative processes overlap with one another, um, how would you describe that? Because it's a few different facets that you're, you're somehow bringing together, you know,
0: which is incredible. I guess I do approach everything as a fashion designer, as my original core kind of thing. And I guess it's a little like putting together a runway show where you're really relying on all these different people who have different, these different creative skills. And you start with a description of what's in your head And you, and everyone sort of listens and then gives their own interpretation and then you change what's, what the idea you started with because they've given you new ideas on it and seeing what they got out of what you described changes your idea um, and and builds on it. And I think being open to that, um, I think some of the some of our biggest successes have been things where they end up where the end product is completely different from the idea that I pitched and started out with in the beginning. Um, But it developed into something that you just, you kind of know a lot of times where when something really works and resonates and even if it wasn't in the original brief, you go, okay, let's go with this. And that's exciting. And, and if you try and stay to exactly what the original idea was, sometimes you have big failures because it just, it was a good idea on paper, but maybe it wasn't the best once it's executed.
1: Yeah, you know, I think... This, I've had this conversation loosely with a few other people as well, and there's sort of this idea that, you know, it's striving for perfection or sticking too much to what your, like, initial goal is. Like, I think you can take, for instance, like a, like a startup company, for instance. Sometimes they start out with one idea, but then it snowballs into something completely different, still maybe on the same wavelength, but something completely different to what they wanted. And it actually ends up being a much bigger success than what it initially would have been. So... I mean, if you think about it that way, um, would you say that, you know, there's a lot of like, like how, let me rephrase that actually. Um, how important do you think flexibility is when it comes to, you know, having an idea in your head and possibly, probably having to pivot
0: it into something else? You know, I think again. That's one of the the advantages of smaller companies and smaller projects is that it's much easier to pivot. Um, the bigger the bigger the project, the larger the number of stakeholders, the harder it is to pivot, um, and the more flexible you can be, the bigger the opportunity. You know, the the higher the risk. But the bigger the opportunity, um, you know, if you, if you thought of it as comparable to investments, either where kind of being very starting out very open and with a really clean slate of we're going to do something amazing, but we don't know exactly what it is. You have the greatest chance of coming up with something that's really amazing and creative and different and impactful, but you have the highest risk. And you might not come out with that. And you might end up spending a lot more time and money without having a great result. Um, But the more you really kind of manage and control from the beginning, the more, you know, the less likely that you're gonna have a really amazing and different powerful creative impact. you know, um, being open gives you more, being flexible gives you more opportunities to succeed in ways you couldn't have imagined on a lot of projects. Um, I think, you know, it's uh, maybe the difference, the one thing is on, you know, once you're at a manufacturing stage or so, that's probably not true. It's, It's a different thing. But I think on creative projects, it's really... The more open, the more the more you are open, the more you can create wow, and that's the the excitement when you when you can create something that is that amazing wow factor that blows everybody away and that's different and fun. You've succeeded, um, and and that achieves its goal, of course.
1: 100%. Yeah, I love what you just said there. I mean, it's fascinating stuff to think about. So, thank you so much for giving us a deeper understanding of your brand, Sylvia. I really appreciate that. Now, I'd like to pivot the conversation a bit more to, you know, branding strategies and stuff. So, I mean, we're heading into 2024 now. So, I'm interested to know, you know, do you have a brand strategy for that? Or do you have any like big plans or projects or campaigns that are in the works for 2024?
0: Yeah. Um... Yeah. Um, well, we're you know we're actually going into 2024 with probably a few too many small, cool, creative projects, <laughs> um, and not one really good, solid revenue-producing kind of thing. But that said, I'm super excited about everything we're doing and. I think it's going to be a really exciting year. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, being in fashion and wearables and digital fashion and Web3, there is so much kind of cool, exciting stuff going on. And there's so much where a lot of these technologies have actually been around for a while, Um, you know, with. With Web three, it's was really down, and it sort of had its high and its low. With wearable tech, uh, the you know seven or eight years ago there were a ton of projects, and then they all kind of disappeared. Um, with digital fashion, it's just exploding. It's crazy all the innovation that's going on. So I think we're at a really exciting time, and twenty twenty four looks like an amazing year of some of these things finally actually getting out there to consumers. Um, So I'm really excited about that.
1: Okay, is there one specific one that you're the most excited about that you can
0: share with us? Without giving too much away, because a lot of these are things there is. um, Well, shout out to 3D Metadress, which is my project around, uh, you know, it's around women in web three, and we have a 3d printed dress that, that highlights 300 amazing, amazing women. Um, and aims to raise money and awareness for women in tech and help girls in tech succeed. um, so that's really exciting we've got some really cool stuff going with that uh, i am working on a a wearables project that i can't say anything about really but it's a really cool project um, and a lot of ar and digital fashion and a lot of design for 3d printing and 3d printed accessories we'll leave it there <laughs>
1: okay that's that's 100 fine thank you so much for that i am very okay. excited to um see what you come up with i really am uh now just before because you you've mentioned a little bit about you know web3 and arvr and 3d prints a tick and all of that stuff which i do want to dive more into but just one more question on on marketing and you know brand visibility and stuff like that i'm curious sylvia as a leader in fashion technology how important have you found you know, partnering with the right agencies, you know, to like amplify your brand's message and stuff like that. Like mostly in the context of how do you think like a platform like Design Rush can really assist brands like yours that are super innovative um, to finding the right partners for their, you know, unique needs?
0: Yeah. So, you know, we're a funny brand because On the one side, we're consumer facing on some things, but on the other side, we are business and brand facing. And so pretty much everything we're doing is some kind of partnership and some kind of collaboration. Um, You know, there there are a few things that are consumer facing that are not, and then but then on those we are looking for partners that will help us to market it and communicate our message and then on other things we're working with larger brands to help them create projects and things to to relay their message um so i think you know everything we do is a collaboration And finding collaborative partners is one of the biggest challenges. So, using, looking to Design Rush, looking to platforms to find those collaborations and connect and share and learn, um, but mostly to connect and to find partners and to find the right teams and to find the right projects, super important, you know, um, crucial to to making anything happen.
1: Um, Okay, so now let's talk about something that I think gets us both really excited and that's more about the tech that you're using in fashion and how these two overlap and like what kind of opportunities they present. So let's start off by talking about 3D printing. Of course, as you know, it's revolutionizing fashion production. So I know that you've integrated this technology in your work um, but you know what future potential do you really see I mean I, I can imagine that you would say like sustainability but is there anything else that you really see um, having a major impact on the fashion industry when it comes to 3d printing
0: yeah I think you know it's very early stage still on 3d printing um, it is still not widely adapted in in fashion um, and there's a huge amount of of area for expansion and all. Um, I like to think of 3D printing as additive manufacturing and with the idea that almost all traditional clothing manufacturing is subtractive so that you're you're cutting out, you're leaving 15% or so of the material on the cutting room floor, you're assembling those cut pieces into things. Um, Whereas additive manufacturing is the idea that you are really creating something with only the material that is needed and you're transforming a material from one form into another to make the product you need. And that you can do that on demand. You can do that so that rather than the traditional, fashion manufacturing where the more quantity of an item you produce at once, the less expensive it gets. With additive manufacturing, it's the same price. You're, you're, the machine is making it and whether you make one of it or 10 million of it, it's the same thing. And that gives this amazing opportunity for customization and i think that's super exciting and will change fashion as we develop it and will change you know this idea of being able to customize on on things that we put on our bodies is so huge that in terms of how it looks in terms of how it feels in terms of how it functions Um, you know I think we'll see clothing that's very different at some point when this really becomes a global manufacturing method.
1: Yeah I'm really excited for that to be honest with you. So I'm curious actually I didn't do too much research on this because I I wanted to ask you this um, and have it straight from your mouth of course but Uh, uh, When you say that, or when we're 3D printing clothing, right? What sort of material is used exactly for that?
0: So, again, it's transforming a material is the technology. So you're taking a material that is in one format and you're turning it into another format without... um, you know, in a, in a one-step process rather than a, you know, many, many, you know, rather than taking cotton where you're, you know, you're picking the cotton in a field, you're spinning it into thread, you're weaving it into fabric, and then you're cutting it up and sewing it, um, additive manufacturing is about transforming it and the technology in that right now again this is where we're at a kind of really exciting stage in the evolution of the technology because right now it's still pretty limited what you can actually print with but it's changing super quickly and that that technology to transform materials and what materials can be transformed is evolving really, really fast. Um, so you can, you know, you can work with a lot of recycled materials at this point and recycle a lot of materials. It's still pretty limited on natural fibers, but that is coming. Um, and there's some things that you won't want to replace ever. You know, there's not any I think it's important to stress that 3D printing isn't. Going to replace traditional fabrics and traditional manufacturing. It's going to be a separate thing that that enables new materials, new clothes, new objects, new stuff that couldn't have existed before.
1: Amazing! I absolutely love that. Um, So, Sylvia, how far do you think we are from having three D printed or three D printers that print our clothes for us in our own homes?
0: I don't think we'll ever have that. Honestly, I think we're moving in the opposite direction <laughs> because I think that, you know, we have a society where we barely even cook our own food at this point. You know, we're all we're all lost if it can't be delivered. Um, so why would we add in making our own clothes? Um, I think that that we will have more localized production of our clothes. But, and I think that we'll have, um, you know, I think it's really the idea of having clothes that can be recycled is super exciting. Um, And that if there was a way to have things where you only wear them a couple of times and then they can just be recycled into something new and new clothing that's amazing um but the idea that you're gonna get up in the morning and you're gonna think okay what do i want to wear and then you're gonna create it and then you're gonna wait for it to print it's like i can't do that with breakfast (laughs) and you know
1: you know what comes to my mind, okay? And maybe this is really silly, but it comes to my mind. You know that uh, part in Clueless where Cher, like, chooses her outfit for the day with, like, some software and she, like, try, you know, that mm-hmm. one?
0: I think about that. <laughs> so yeah, I maybe think, I'm, like, you know, way I'm... off. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I do think, I think there are other, you know, because I think, you know, one of the things with AR try-on, I think, that is coming with that is that we're going to get up in the morning and we're going to look at our phones and we're going to see our whole wardrobe and ourselves and we'll be able to go, okay, let me see what I feel like wearing and let me try on digitally everything and decide what I want to wear and be able to view it in 3D. And then um, hopefully there's a robot that can then go and find it in my closet and bring it back to me so I can get dressed. But... But i think we're going to have you know we're gonna have all that before we're gonna have actually making the clothes
1: yeah okay that does make a lot more sense so okay uh no 3d printers for printing clothes in our homes got it so um that brings me to something else though that i wanted to ask you about web 3 the metaverse you know virtual reality how do you see this technology really shaping fashion? Because I've seen like virtual Hermes scarves going for like thousands of dollars. (laughs) Um, So where do you see us going with this, you know, in this whole virtual reality regarding fashion?
0: I think, you know, I think that's going to explode. I think it sort of already is starting to, when you look at, at kids, Now, and I mean like little kids, they don't differentiate, there's been some studies that show that they don't, little kids don't differentiate between physical goods and digital goods in the same way that adults do. Um, And so as those kids grow up, they're gonna have crossover, their, their digital wardrobe and their physical wardrobe will coincide and will be all one to them. And at the same time, there will be solutions for putting some of their digital artwork onto their clothing so that they, so they're connecting it on that way. Um, And and I think it is all gonna kind of come together that way. it's just at a very early stage, and most people that are of an age where they are buying fashion aren't a hundred percent comfortable with the value of digital products yet. Um, and I think that'll be, you know, as as the world gets more digital native, digital comfortable on. Ownership of things. We're going to see Web three and digital fashion explode, and and also that Web three gives real ownership. Um, And and I think that's going to kind of change. Um, In that I think you know we're still at an early stage on blockchains being used on everything, and and as More and more and more and more products and things are connected and verified on blockchains. We'll start to look. Consumers will start to go, "Hey, I, you know, I want to know that the things I'm buying are verified. I want to know that they're on a blockchain. Uh, I trust that, Um, and that will that trust." Makes digital goods more valid.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so out of all of these, you know, emerging trends, which one would you say, or which ones would you say excite you the most that could, you know, really explode and say the next five years?
0: To me, there's just so much going on in digital fashion that that's super exciting and super creative, and we see where that goes. As a creator, that's what I'm most excited about. As a brand and as a business person, I think all the stuff that's going on in AI is going to change a lot of things, but I'm not really sure how. Um, I'm kind of watching that and trying to understand it and wrap my brain around it to figure out how it'll change things. Um, I just, I don't have an answer on that, but I think that's going to be a big game changer um, on it in general of how, how fashion will change. Um, but for me, I think it's more the, this, this fidgetality and this convergence of the physical and the digital.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I am very excited to see how this all plays out, to be honest with you. And, and you mentioned earlier that a lot of, older people you know I, I know kids you say aren't really into or they can't differentiate between reality or r- reality products and like digital products i i'll be surprised if i buy a a, a multi thousand dollar hermes scarf in in digital so I, I i can understand why people are are struggling to maybe wrap their heads around that right but i guess that will change uh the more we start to understand blockchain and web3 and all of that stuff um Now, Sylvia, just as we start to wrap up, right, thank you so much again for your time today. Um, I just have two more questions for you. Uh, And I'm curious about who, you know, the roots or where the roots of your inspiration really stems from. I mean, are there any colleagues or industry experts that you really look up to and or respect the most?
0: So, you know, I think... I tend to look outside of fashion. I look to the art world a lot. And then I look to the general world. And then on a smaller level, I think I look to my friends um, and the people around me. But I think the main, you know, um, for me, it's important to not stay within my industry and my comfort zone of media and things that I'm familiar with and to always keep reaching out beyond that and getting inspiration from the world and from things that are different than me. Um, and then probably I spend way more time on social media and, you know, random websites and stuff down a rabbit hole than I should. Um And sometimes it's really inspiring. You know, once in a while you get lucky. Um, I don't think there's any one thing, though.
1: I love that. I especially love that you, you know, kind of draw your inspiration from outside of your industry I think a lot or very few people I think do that you know or maybe they do I'm not too sure but I know a lot of people are often very focused on their own industries and maybe that hinders your creativity so I think it's amazing that you look at people and nature and your friends I I love that I think it's beautiful um, okay lastly Sylvia before I let you go I um, If you could go back in time and really give yourself, your younger self, just maybe at the start of your career, a piece of advice, what would
0: that be? You know, I think um, I started out being more confident about what I knew than I am now. I think um, I look back and I think, wow, I had such you know, I I was so sure that I had answers when I started and when I was younger. And um, I think, you know, it's that mix of, I think that confidence is important, but I think I would tell myself to question everything and not assume that any answer is correct and not assume that A will lead to B, will lead to C, will lead to D. I think um, life is more lateral than that. It's more changeable and to be really open to that and to be open to whatever can happen and will happen and to um, just, yeah, be open and, and enjoy that process of uncertainty rather than controlling it, or rather than trying to control it, I guess. I absolutely love that. I really do. Um, Yeah.
1: Sylvia, again, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me today and, you know, for all of your insights and and telling us a little bit more about what it is that you do. Um, I mean, your industry is extremely exciting, and I think most of us that is involved in tech for sure, cannot wait to see what innovators like yourself really come up with in the next few years, you know, and even next year, because, you know, the way that you were kind of secretive about those projects that you're working on for 2024 has got me really excited. Um, So I'll definitely be keeping an eye out for those. Uh, Yeah, Sylvia, thank you so much, really. I appreciate it.
0: Amazing. Thank Thank you. Um, Very honored. Thank you. And um, yeah, the future looks brighter.
1: Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Design Rush podcast with the ever-creative Sylvia Hazel. If you're looking for exceptional design and tech solutions for your business, be sure to explore your options at designrush.com marketplace. Here you'll discover a wide array of agencies equipped to bring your creative projects to life. Don't forget to like this episode and subscribe to our channel for more engaging and thought-provoking discussions with industry leaders. Again, I'm your host, Bianca Mayer. Stay curious and join us for the next episode.